Matthew chapter 11. It says, after, the, after Jesus finished giving his 12 disciples these instructions, he moved on from there to teach his message in their cities. And verse 2 says, when John was in prison, he heard about the things Christ had done, so he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one who is coming, or should we look for someone else? Jesus answered John's disciples, go back and tell John what you hear and see. I love verse 5. Blind people see again. The lame people are walking. Those with skin disease that was dealing with leprosy of their day are made clean. Deaf people hear again. Dead people, come on somebody, dead people are being brought back to life and, and people, and here's the most important thing, and people are hearing the good news, the gospel. And then it goes on in verse 6. Jesus says, tell John that the blessing of heaven comes upon those who, now hear this, don't miss this, comes upon those who don't lose their faith in me no matter what happens. Verse 7, as they were leaving, John's messengers or disciples, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What kind of man? Did you see when you went out into the wilderness? Did you expect to see a man who would be easily intimidated? <laughs> that was, no, no. Who was he? Did you expect to see a man decked out in, in the splendid fashion of, of the day? <laughs> no, he didn't dress that way. Those who wear fancy clothes live like kings in places. Or, or did you encounter a true prophet out in the lonely wilderness? Yes, John was a prophet like those of the past, but he is even more than that. He was the fulfillment of the Scripture. Here's the fulfillment. See, I'm sending my prophetic messenger. That was John. He will go ahead of me. That was Jesus. And prepare hearts to receive me. Verse 11, for I tell you the truth throughout history, there has never been a man who surpasses John the baptizer. Never. Hmm. Today I want to minister from this, this thought. This is not what I expected. This is not what I expected. What, what do you do when what you're expecting, or let's say it this way, when what you're experiencing is not what you're expecting? Am I talking to anybody? Come on, am I talking to the family of celebration? What, 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 what do you do when, when what you are experiencing is not what you are expecting? Father, thank you today for the help from heaven. God, give, her, give us laser-like focus, God, that whatever this moment looks like, God, the time frame and God, whatever... Whatever you want to say, whatever you want to declare, declare, God, I'm, I'm trusting and I'm believing for healing in the celebration family. I, I'm believing for healing for every person in the room watching online for whatever situation they're going through. That God, we, that, that we, that, that they, that, that, that they don't get stuck in the, in the unmet expectations of their, their life. Help me, God, to minister today. Bring healing 
to the broken hearts. God, let hope drive out the hopelessness. Whatever the situation, I release the anointing and the power of Almighty God to bring wholeness. Nothing broken, nothing missing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I think I'm good, Tom. Let, let me give you some background about who John the Baptist was. John comes on the scene in, in scriptures in the New Testament when the angel of the, of the Lord appeared to Zacharias and Elizabeth uh, to announce John's birth to them. Now, now, this was a supernatural thing or a miraculous birth because Zacharias and Elizabeth, uh, Zacharias was a priest, and, and Zacharias and Elizabeth was, was really well advanced in age uh, when the angel of the Lord came to them and said, you're going to have a, uh, a baby. Isn't it amazing that all through scriptures, God always waited for those impossible situations? Uh, when you think you're too old, that's when God's going to use you. Come on, when you think you're too young, that's, that's when God's going to use you. When you think you can't be used, that's when God is really, he, he does his greatest work in your, in your limitations. And so he, he shows up to them, and they're well advanced in age, but that's not the only problem. She's actually been barren all of her life. In fact, this birth seemed to be such an impossibility to Zacharias that he actually tries to talk the angel of the Lord out of it. And um, what happens in that moment is an amazing thing. Is the angel listens to his doubt and unbelief, and the angel just basically mutes John for the next nine months. John, or excuse me, excuse me, John, or, or Zacharias, excuse me, Zacharias could not talk for the next nine months until their baby John, the miracle, was born. So sometimes your mouth is really what gets in the way of God doing great things. Mm. Mm. So, some, sometimes in the trouble and sometimes in the sorrow and sometimes in the pity and sometimes in the frustration, I think sometimes God just wants to send an angel and mute and mute because God can't do what he wants to do with your mouth moving in negativity and judgmentalness and criticism and uh, come on somebody if we just came for that right there we could have a better life huh so 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 Elizabeth Zacharias this is an impossibility and and, and Zacharias says, man, how in the world could this be? And he, he tries to talk the angel out of it, and so the angel mutes him, and, um, and he stays that way for, for the nine months now uh, until John was born. Now, now John's life was full of, of purpose and ministry. He was a preacher. He was, he was the voice that God would use to prepare the coming of the Lord, the first coming of the Lord. How many of you know there's a second coming of the Lord? And we won't preach on that, but, but this was the first coming of the Lord where Jesus would come and do his ministry and die upon the cross. Now, what is interesting is that John, this miracle child of theirs, was, 
was Jesus's second cousin. They, they were cousins. And when the angel of the Lord, remember, appeared to Mary about her supernatural and miraculous birth, that she would have Jesus. How many of you know she struggled uh, with that possibility, but she came to terms really quick. She said, okay, uh, let it be unto me uh, according to the word of the Lord. But Mary was struggling, and the angel knew that Mary was struggling. So the, the, so, so the angel, hear this, ends up directing Mary uh, to her relative Elizabeth, who was already uh, with John for six months in her womb. John was six months old in the womb of Elizabeth, and the angel says, you need to go see your relative. Uh, you, 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 you need to directly go there, and, 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 and because your, your, your relative is already, already received a, a miracle, and his name is John. So, so Mary goes immediately to Elizabeth, and when, and when Mary gets to Elizabeth, uh, John, again, who's six months in the womb, begins to, begins to leap. Hear this. They, he's, he, John, the, he begins to jump up and down in, in Elizabeth's womb because of the miracle, the Bible teaches, that God was doing in Mary's womb. Hmm. So, so, so don't, don't miss this. You see, the best thing that you could ever do in your life is when you're expecting those God things in your life is to get around others who are expecting those God things. Hmm. Well, why, why do you need to get around people who are expecting God things? Because if you'll get around other people that are expecting the God things, then, then those expectations that are in you will rise and, and come alive. That, that, that's why... Oh, that, that's why coming to church is so important. C coming to church is where we gather together with expectations, where other people are expecting the same thing. We, we've been in the nasty now and now all week long, and we come together in this moment, and we're expecting for healing, and we're expecting for deliverance, and we're expecting for peace, and we're expecting for God to do great things. And what happens when we come together in a holy moment that's the reason why God ordained this. It's not some preacher idea. This is a God thing. Because when we come together and we begin to expect, then, then, then things begin to start coming alive on the inside of us. Those dreams and those passions and those assignments and those God callings in our life. Those promises that God has given us begin to leap and jump and come alive in our lives. Getting around the right people will cause your purpose and dreams to come alive. And at the same time, hanging out with the wrong people, critical people, negative people, judgmental people will cause your God dreams to die. Never underestimate what God is doing. Come on, those online. What God is doing in this moment right now. Now, a lot has happened with John. John has grown up, and he's doing, he's doing life. He's doing ministry. He's preaching. What's interesting about John and, is that he only has one message. He, he just, he just, it's just repent. Every time John preaches, it's not like he has, like, you know, all these messages. I, I, I wish I could just be John sometime. Like, just preach this. You didn't get it last week. 
And so John just hangs out on one message. He preaches, repent, repent. Every time he preaches, he, 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 he just repent for the kingdom of heaven is at, it's, it's at hand. It's the only message that he, he preaches. You see, John was kind of rough. Uh, he was kind of rough around the edges. He, was, he wasn't like other preachers of his day. He, he, he dressed kind of weird. <laughs> the Bible says he ate weird things. He actually ate bugs and, and insects. He'd actually dip them in honey to make them better. Hmm. He's quite a character. We know this about John. John was, was brazen and John was bold and John was the guy that took a stand for what was right. He judged the wickedness and sin of their day. He called out sin and brought people to repentance. John, John would have been that guy who has that sign, um, turn or burn. Really? You, you probably wouldn't have went to John's church. He hated fake religious people of his day. In fact, he called them names. He's quite outspoken. One time he's, he called them a you, you bunch of brood of vipers. I, I wonder how that would go here at Celebration. Pastor Randy's going to preach now, and he comes up, and he looks at all you, and you bunch of brood of vipers. How many of you know we wouldn't have... In America, we, we wouldn't have. You would go somewhere else. In our day, if John had any kind of social media platforms, hmm, it definitely would have been suspended. They, they would have got him for, for hate speech because you don't want to hear hate speech. But can I remind you, they would get Jesus for hate speech too. If we, if, if, if we had the guts to preach the Bible, some of you couldn't handle it. Hello? Lean over to your neighbor and say, his name is Randy and he's your friend. Go ahead. Go ahead. Now, here's what's happening is John's ministry in their day was attracting great crowds of people. Maybe that's what we need to get back to, telling people truth. Instead of patting people on the shoulder and say it's all going to be okay. And John's ministry is, is expanding, it's growing. People are coming out from the cities. It's making all the other religious leaders upset. And people are being baptized and people are repenting. And it's, 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 and it's in this moment that... In, in, in John's ministry as it's exploding upon the earth that Jesus comes on the scene and it's at that moment that John tells everybody he announces to everybody uh, that Jesus is the Lamb of God who's going to take away the sins of the world so then John then baptizes Jesus and then tells everybody Follow Jesus. He gives his whole church away that day. Don't follow me, follow Jesus. And it's at that point that the large crowd stop following John and they start following 
Jesus. John tells them that my purpose was to point to Jesus. He tells them I've got to, he's got to increase and I must decrease, that I'm just a voice preparing the way for the Lord. John's whole life, he understood it, he knew it. John's whole life was to prepare a way for Jesus. So John is living in his purpose. And by the way, that's your purpose too. I know you, you, you may not realize, but your purpose is to prepare a way of the Lord for your neighbors, for your coworkers, for your relatives. Come on, it's still about Jesus and leading people to Jesus. John's whole life was to prepare the way for Jesus, so John is living his purpose. He continues to preach. His crowds are smaller, but he continues to lead people to Jesus, and it's at this point in the story that we picked it up, the narrative, that we find John and he's in prison. He's in prison, and he's, he's not there because he did something wrong. He wasn't selling drugs on the street corner. He didn't steal from some grocery store. He didn't rob a bank. He, he's in prison for doing something, something right. He stood up for God's truth against the wicked king named Herod. He confronted Herod's sin of the inappropriate relationship that he was having with a woman. See, see, we don't want that kind of preaching. And so he's standing up, he's preaching truth, calling people to repentance. He calls this wicked king out for his, for his wickedness, and it, it causes him to be thrown into to prison, and now he's in prison, and he's disappointed. Stay with me. This is going to help you. He, he's frustrated. God, this is not what I expected. God, this is not what I thought would happen in my life. God, I'm just doing what you told me to do. And now, God, really, really, God, I'm in prison. Is this what I get for serving you, for loving you, for tithing, for giving? It's in this prison that John hears about Jesus. He hears about Jesus doing these amazing things a hundred miles away. He hears that Jesus is, is healing, that Jesus is delivering, that Jesus is blessing. People are coming to, to know Jesus. They're surrendering their lives to Jesus and He's hearing it in this prison of, of frustration. John is stuck in prison for doing the right thing. And, and it's in that moment, it's in that moment, and it's in that moment that we all find ourselves just like John. He's doubting what he knew from birth to be true. And so he sends his messengers, two of his remaining disciples, to ask Jesus just one question. We read it in Matthew eleven three. 3. It says this right here. You go ask him, are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? In other words, is this it, Lord? Is it always going to be like this? In other words, Jesus, I thought 
you were going to hmm. I thought you were going to I thought you were going to has anybody ever thought that God was going to to do something to make a way where there seemed to be no way to fix the problem that you could has anybody ever been in that moment that you thought God was going to do something to and John is in that moment I thought you were going to I thought I thought surely you would come and get me out of this place so John is experiencing something that is causing him to doubt something that he was so sure about just days before. John is wondering and John is, is doubting. Maybe God isn't what I thought he was. Maybe the one I trusted in is the wrong one after all. Now, I know we would never say that ourselves to God. We would, we would never say, oh, I don't think he's God. I don't think, I, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, we would never say it out loud in fear that lightning might strike us, right? But we might send our messengers. In other words, you may not say it directly, but indirectly through your actions, because of your frustrations and your disappointments, and because God didn't do what you thought God was going to do through your actions, that's why now you don't serve God like you used to serve God. Hmm? It's why you don't have the passion you once had for God anymore. Oh, you would never, you would never be that bold to just tell God, I don't believe you anymore. But you would, through your actions, indirectly tell him, why so many, they don't, they don't give like they used to give. They don't worship like they used to worship. That's the reason why it's so hard to get anybody to help. It's, we're so busy. We should never be asking for help. We should never have to twist people's arms to do what God has already asked you to do. But because people live in such great disappointment. Oh, I've come to preach today. Because people live in great disappointment. They indirectly live their actions saying, I just don't believe that stuff anymore. Because when you did believe it, we didn't have to convince you or beg you or ask you. You didn't wander in 20 minutes late and leave early. You came early and stayed late, however long Alfred or Pastor Randy went. And I'm going to enjoy this the rest of my life. <laughs> I'm sorry, Alfred. You're, I told him last week, I said, if I'm, if I'm messing with you, it's because I love you. Somebody needs to hear that today. If I'm messing with you, it's because I love you. Come on, somebody needs to shout. Some, there's help in this room today why some of us aren't as faithful as we used to be. It's the reason why so many of us don't tell others about him like we used to because, because are you really the one? We're not convinced of it anymore. So we just grind life out. And, and this, is, this is what I've come to tell you today because this is what I've discovered about this text that God is helping me in what I'm navigating through. 
as, as I begin to study the text, I realize that John isn't just in one prison. John, John is actually in two prisons. <laughs> you see, John is in the, the prison that, that Herod has thrown him in for standing up for truth, and, but John is also in the prison of, of expectations. Maybe I could say it this way, the prison of unmet expectations. In other words, the prison of, of your plans and your ideas and the prison of what you thought and, 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 and what you, you, you thought God was going to do. And God, I thought you were going to go, to go do this, and I thought you'd surely come and bail me out of prison and fix this and do that. And so he's in that prison of, God, God I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought. This is where John, this is where John has, has allowed a disappointed expectation. God is... Is this what I get for standing for truth? God, is this, is, what, is this what I get for serving you? He's in that prison of frustration and disappointment. Jesus, are you the one? Because I've been telling everybody that you are the one. So here is John trying to figure out, God, where are you? I'm taking my time because I don't think this was just John's problem. I think we all struggle in this area. When I begin to realize it, I thought to myself, wow, Randy, how many times have you been locked up in that prison? Oh, if we had time today and you didn't have to get to your buffet today. I could give you a list of disappointments of things that I thought God was going to do in my, in my life, things that I was believing for and praying for and standing for and fighting for. Huh. So many of us have spent so much time in that prison, the prison of unmet expectations, the prison of what we thought God would do. You see, this is where so many of our discouragements come from. If, you, if you're wanting to know where frustration and discouragement really is birthed in your life, it's birthed, it's birthed right here. If you didn't hear anything else, please hear this. Frustration and disappointment in your life is birthed right here in the gap between what you expect and what you experience. Did, did you hear that? Why am I frustrated? Because I was expecting something else and I'm experiencing the contrary. Why are you discouraged? Because I didn't expect what I'm experiencing in my life. And this is where the devil is always at work. You have an enemy. He's out to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to take your passion. He wants to take your dreams. He wants to take your assignment. He wants to take your future. So the devil is always at work trying to wedge some kind of discouragement, some kind of disappointment. Where? Between what you expect and what you experience. Hear it. Hear this today. We all have those areas of 
disappointed, unmet expectations. Maybe it's in, in your job. Maybe, maybe it's in the workplace. Maybe it's in that business that you had. You thought, you thought God, really? God, you didn't have me to start this business for it to struggle like this. Maybe for you, maybe for you it's in that relationship. It's in the family. It's like, God, this isn't the way it's supposed to be for our family. Lord, the pitch, we're having to take down pictures in our, in our home because, well, you know why. Because they're no longer a part of our family. They split. They divided. They ran off. God, we're not supposed to be that family. And so all of a sudden now, you have an experience that's not meeting your expectation. And now that's where the frustration comes. And that's where the disappointment comes. And maybe it's in that area of struggle with things you can't, addictions. Think, God, really? This is going to be my life? Or maybe for so many of us here today, those online, maybe, maybe it's in that painful loss of a, a loved one. Somebody died that you didn't expect would die. Hmm. I remember, I remember, hmm. I remember when my, my brother died of cancer. And Tom, you can come back. I've, I've got some things to say, but I think I need your help. I remember when my brother died at the age of 40 of cancer. I'd spent a couple of years just fighting and believing and, and how disappointed I was because that's not what I expected. I'll, I'll never forget walking down the hallway and a seasoned minister grabbed me. We were fairly new in the church and maybe the church was just a few years old and, and he grabbed me and he prayed. He said, Randy, guard your heart. Guard your heart. He said, don't get stuck. In essence, what he was saying is, Randy, your brother already won. He's in heaven. Can, can I remind you that I believe that is the ultimate goal of a Christian. I don't know why we get sad about going to heaven. It is ultimately what we're signing up for. Can I remind you that those that go to heaven, they're not crying. It's the ultimate goal of Christianity is to go to heaven. We're not, we're not setting up shop here on earth. The ultimate goal is to, it's to run from a devil's hell and to be with God forever in eternity in heaven. Is that not to go, to be absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord? And like Paul said, for me to die is gain. Paul, in fact, was struggling one day. He says, I, I don't know if I should stay and, and minister and keep doing what I'm doing because, because I really want to go. He says, for you to stay, it's, it's good for you, but for me to go to heaven is so much better. It's better. When you get to heaven, you're going to realize what a dump you were living in. Come on, it's, it's like living in a sewer. Listen, you're, you're not going to get to heaven and be some fat little angel playing a harp. The God that made heaven is the God that made earth. And the pain that we feel in earth is because of the corruption of the evil one. But you take the evil out of it and you've got a beautiful heaven. I can't wait to get to heaven.
Is that not the ultimate goal of every believer? Is that not the mission of the church to make sure that we take as many with us before we go? Said, Randy, don't, don't guard your heart. Don't get stuck. Your brother won. Now, whether or not you win is determined by whether or not you get stuck by your disappointment or whether you keep the faith no matter what. Satan's ultimate goal is that you will lower your expectations to meet your experiences. He, he, he hopes you get stuck. He hopes you get frustrated and is so disappointed that he doesn't have to put you in a physical prison. He just puts you in that emotional prison of, of unmet expectations. And his hope is, is that you get so stuck there and by doing so, he steals your dreams, he steals your faith, he steals your, he steals your hopes, he steals your restoration, he re steals your recovery, he steals your healing, he steals your passion, and he steals God's promises for you and your life. Why? So all you have in life is, is ashes and not beauty. So that all you have in life, he, he wants you to get stuck in that prison so that all that you have is defeat and not victory. So that all those things that are happening in your life, God's not able to work them out for the good of them that love him and who are called by his name. You see, it's not about a physical prison, John. You're getting stuck in an emotional prison you're getting stuck in disappointment. You're getting stuck in frustration. You're getting stuck in unmet expectations. God, why are you the one? Or should we look for another? Oh, the enemy is hoping that you will quit fighting that good fight of faith to believe in the midst of the pain. Oh, he's hoping that you quit believing that God is still at work and he's still working in your situation. He's hoping that you, you stop believing that God's promises are yes and amen. He hopes you get stuck in that prison of unmet expectations. So, so here is how we're landing the plane, we're concluding. But you gotta hear this. So, so what do you do with a guy that's stuck? <laughs> What do you do with a, a people that have the potential of getting stuck? What do you do with the church that has the potential of getting stuck? Jesus, Jesus has the answer for John. Now, now, now I know that we can all relate because it, we all have situations. We all live on earth. We're all feeling something in life. And, and, and this message speaks to all of us because the enemy is always trying to wedge his way in between what you expect and what you are experiencing in your life. So how, how does Jesus go about trying to fix John? He says, John, this is what you need to do. Matthew eleven four. Jesus answers John in his two prisons. 
Jesus answers John's disciple, go back and tell John what you hear and see. Tell John, blind people see again. The lame people are walking. Those with skin disease are made clean. Deaf people hear again. Dead people are brought back to life. And, and, and John, the most important thing, because it isn't about that world anyhow, people are hearing the good news so they can spend eternity in heaven. T tell John, tell, tell John, tell John. You know what this sounds like to me? You know what this sounds like to me? Maybe, maybe it's because, because I'm living in a moment where God shook me a month and a half ago and he says, get, get miracles back on the calendar. You know what this sounds like to me? It sounds like Jesus is saying, John, get miracles on your mind. John, get miracles on the calendar. John, don't you dare take miracles off your calendar. John, just because you're disappointed, just because things didn't work out the way you thought it would, Jesus is saying, John, John, John. Lisa, Sam, Henry, Jose, Alfred. I'm still healing. I'm still delivering. John, I'm still saving. You know what's interesting to me is you got to let me finish this. Jesus really doesn't deal with the physical prison because that prison really can't destroy you. The prison Jesus deals in his response is the prison of unmet expectations because that's the real prison that can completely destroy your life. Why? Because that's the prison that can steal your faith. In fact, let me show you. Let me show you that that was the prison that Jesus was dealing with because Jesus goes on in verse 6, and now the message translation, he, he challenges John about his expectations, not about the physical prison. He says, John, is this what you are expecting? In other words, he says, go tell John that, that, that the lame walk, the blind see, the dead be." He says, John, is that what you're expecting? Or, or do you think I'm not who I said I was? Do you think I'm not a miracle worker? John, is this, is this what you were, were you expecting for miracles to still happen in your life? And if so, count yourself most blessed. But John, if you get sidelined with your unmet expectations and discouragement and frustration, your life will never be blessed because God operates through faith. Faith is what brings God's promises into you. And if you lose your faith, you lose everything. You would, you would rather die in a physical prison full of faith than to die outside of a prison with no faith. Hear me today. The Passion Translation, Jesus said it this way. We read it in our opening text. It's really the answer. It's really where I really want to land this. He says, tell John, here's the Passion Translation, to tell John that the blessing of heaven comes upon those who never lose 
their faith in me no matter what happens. Come on, somebody. Come on, what kind of people are we going to be? Huh? That means whatever circumstances comes your way. John, don't get stuck. Don't let discouragement, don't let frustration sideline you. John, no matter what happens, never lose your faith. Stand to your feet. Oh. Um, I probably have a part two to this, but but I don't know that I'll ever do it because maybe it's more for you. Maybe it's more for me. But 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 can I just throw a nugget out there? How many of you are tracking through this whole message? I'm trying to help. I'm trying. I'm saying, Randy, don't get stuck. Don't, don't, don't allow what you're experiencing to change what you continue to expect. The blind are seeing. The lame are walking. The deaf are hearing. Skin disease is being healed. Dead people are still being raised back to life. John, are you expecting it? John, are you expecting it? John, are you expecting it? The gospel is still being preached. John, what are you expecting expecting in your life? John, no matter what happens, keep the faith. Can I tell you today, no matter what happens, keep the faith. Celebration, no matter what happens, keep the faith. I think about my life. How many times I could have got stuck if I didn't guard my heart? This wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't have the opportunity to, to communicate what I'm communicating to you, to help you, to make sure you don't get stuck. Come on. Somebody's, somebody's waiting on you. Somebody's counting on you to get out of not your physical prison, but that emotional prison of unmet expectations and to continue to believe and to trust God that regardless what you've seen, He still heals, He still delivers, He still sets the captive free. The gospel is being preached, and one day we're all still going to get out of this sewer. This is what helps me. I read the whole text if you, in the beginning because if, you, if I wasn't going to share this, it wouldn't be necessary. But you know what's interesting to me? Is Jesus tells John's two disciples, go tell John this. And as soon as they leave, in other words, tell John about my value. Tell John to have faith in what I'm doing. Tell John I'm still the one. But as soon as they leave, he turns to the crowd. Read it, it's in the narrative. He turns to the crowd and he starts bragging on John. Really? He starts telling them there's never been a man born of a woman that's greater than John the Baptist, that he was the real deal, that he was a great prophet, that he lived his life in truth. He just goes, he 
God, Jesus just goes crazy on, 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 on just bragging and bragging. It's just like, I never understood any of that. Like, like, like God, really? Like, really? Why couldn't you have you told John that? He's, he's depressed. He's frustrated. He's disappointed. Why not pat John on the shoulder and say, John, your life really matters. You really have value. Come on, John, you're going to make it. Wouldn't you think that's what Jesus would have done? Why? Because Jesus didn't want John to have faith in John. Because John cannot fix this situation. So to tell John what a great prophet he was, to tell John how awesome he was, to pat John on the back and say, I'm so sorry, John, was not going to fix the problem. The only thing that would fix the problem is to get your value off of you, John, and put your value on me. Oh, Jesus. You, you didn't hear that. It's a value thing. It's a value thing. It's a value thing. It's a value thing. He's saying, John, don't try to get value from yourself. Get value from the one that still heals, the one that still delivers, the one that sets the captive free. John, you can't fix it, but God can fix it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, isn't that what worship's all about? This is how God's healing me. He's saying, John, it's not about your worth. It's about God's worth. If I spend time bragging to John about John, he's going to think about his worth. So I'm going to let them know John's really valuable and he's not really worth. But I need to get John out of this prison of unmet expectation. So I'm going to, I'm going to direct him to the worth of the one that can fix it. And is that not what worship is all about? What do you do when things didn't work out the way you wanted them to work out? It's not about your worth. It's about His worth. And that's where worship comes in. You begin to go Godward and worship the one who can fix it, who can change it, who can deliver you from it. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus. 